Oh, are we live? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know what, man? You don't just turn on microphones and not tell somebody. That's messed up. Hey, guys, I, I, I turned your microphones on. Uh, Thank now you. He tells us. <laughs> Hi, guys. Welcome to Lost in a Long Box for Wednesday, January 30th, as Madman already starts screwing with us. It just made him producer last week. He's already going to start screwing you with bet us. bet your sweet bippy. Uh, speaking of sweet bippy, um, you realize that was the, the wrong music there, sweet bippy? Oh, it was? Yes, that was actually <laughs> Paint the Sky by Hans yeah. Adam, but yeah. that's okay. We'll, we'll use either one. My bad. That's that's it's the only difference is with that one I have to say music for a lost little long box provided by Hans Adam and Paint the Sky. See there you go. All right, so hello everyone, welcome to Lost in a Long Box. Um, I'm Randy. I got my other host here, guys. As I point, say your name, Thomas, Enos, and Madman, our producer back there, and other host. So uh, before we get into our standard, how was your weekend? I'm going to ask Madman and Enos first. How was your weekend? Not long enough. <laughs> Madman? It's cold. It's cold. cold. Well, guess what? Thomas and Randall had a <clears throat> somewhat adventurous weekend. Oh, yes, we did. So, for you listeners who don't know this, we are in the Fredericksburg, Virginia area. And Sunday, there was supposed to be a Virginia Comic Con up at George Mason University. And it was a one-day only thing. It was just Sunday from 11 to 4.30. So, Thomas and I decided we were going to go up to this here con well, it was $10. So first off, there's my first problem. It's $10 for a one-day little linky-dink con, right, at, at, a, at a convention hall in, on the college campus. But then they wanted to charge me for parking. I'm like, I am not going to pay for parking. So I went and looked, and according to the Metro Rail map, they had Metro stops there by the college. In fact, two of the stops straight up had the initials GMU for George Mason University, which is where this con is. So Thomas and I get in our little car, and we drive on up there Sunday morning. We get to the metro at Springfield, and first we find out here's the first snafu. The trains at the Springfield station weren't running. That should have told us all we needed to know. So we had to get on a shuttle and take it to the Braddock Road stop, which is literally three stops up from the Springfield one. And I figured, hey, not a problem. I know Braddock Road. I, this, this is still doable. So we get on the train, take our little jaunt on up there. I tell them, okay, we need to get off at whatever station and transfer to the Silver Line because the Silver Line goes to the stop that we want. So we get to the stop, which was like Virginia Square dash GMU. Now, here's the key thing. It says GMU on the freaking sign, okay? We get out. <laughs> Thomas looks at the map and says, this thing says we're still 12 miles away. I'm like, what? Because we're trying to figure out which way the university is. And he goes, yeah, according to this, it's, it's 12 miles away. I'm like, there's no way. It's, it says GMU. When you look at the map for the con, it literally looked like here was GMU, Johnson Hall, and here was the metro station. Like you walk up the block to it. So we go into Starbucks. We get warm real quick. We do the constitutional thing. And sure enough, I pull up my Google Maps, and it says we're 13 miles away. And I'm like, there's got to be another stop, you know. It's in this Northern Virginia, D.C., Maryland area. The metro stops within a stone's throw of everything. Right. So Tommy looks up and goes, oh, yes, here we go. We take the orange line to the Vienna station at the end. And, again, the map is even closer. It shows Johnson Center, literally Metro Center, right there on the corner in the yeah, same Yeah, it looks block. like it's like three blocks away, maybe something like that. If that. If so that. we get back on the metro. Now we get on the orange line and ride it to the end. And we get out and... I don't know about Thomas, but I didn't clearly see GMU or the Johnson Center. And then when we mapped it, it told us we still had another five to six miles in a 15-minute walk. Mm -hmm. I'm like, are you kidding me? And we're both like, it shows it right here on the map. <coughs> so we start walking, and, and it's cold now, okay? 
Um, and I know he's cold because I was not prepared for the weather. All he's wearing is a hoodie. I'm wearing my gloves and my hat and, and my Superman cap, and I'm still a little cold. And my coat, by the way, is like for mm-hmm. for um, Alaska weather. Okay, that's how warm this thing is. So I told him, dude, we're not doing this. We're going to hell home because at this point it's almost twelve o'clock. This thing is only till four thirty. So we're gonna get there in time to have to turn around and come back, basically. Right. So as we're walking back. Thomas sees shuttles for the metro buses there. So he goes and talks to a guy, and the guy's like, he's sitting in there and says, Oh, yeah, you know, the shuttle here is like $1.75 and it goes to GMU. So Tommy comes back and says, Well, this shuttle, you know, right here shows up at 12.30, which is like in 20 minutes, and it goes to GMU. Then he checked the time on it, and the schedule said it would take an hour. And I'm like, An hour? Wow. <laughs> According to Google Maps, it's 15 minutes that way, which, by the way, made me want to cross, it wanted, want us to cross I 66. I'm like, No, 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 we're not doing this. So it became a lost cause. We turned around and went home. Wow. <laughs> we wow. stopped, we did stop on the way home to eat at a McDonald's. So we spent our entire Sunday going to Northern Virginia to eat, to at, eat McDonald's. At, at McDonald's. Yeah. So, well done. Fun. Pretty fun. No comic books were purchased at the McDonald's. Just uh, in I case you're wondering. Not, yeah. not a single one. Which, which was good because we're, we're already fighting over the same comic book anyway, and, and I didn't want to add bloodbath to the. Now, see, Thomas thought we were going to be rewarded by the heavens because we helped. Um, how do you want to say it, Thomas? We we uh, visually challenged individual on the. Sh- the Metro Rail. So he took it as a good sign that the universe was going to reward us. I'm like, yeah. well, how do you know missing the con is not our reward? Something nasty might have just went down that right. we missed. <laughs> yeah, it could have been. Um, but in case you're interested, Randall, they are coming back for two days in September if you want to drive up there. Uh, no, we're not interested. No, I don't know. I didn't think so. <laughs> in fact, you just told me Sunday that if you mention that con again, I'm supposed to slap you and say no. <laughs> I don't remember this. Something tells me you're making that up on the fly right now because you want to smack me. I'm going to start recording our conversations. Okay. Ooh, and I see. I don't give you permission to do that. Just I so see you know, X got a bottle of Fireball up on his shelf. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, all right. So some of our news and noteworthy items of the last week. In case you guys didn't hear, DC Comics just made a bunch of layoffs. Um, about three percent of their workforce. Woohoo! It was seven people of two hundred and forty. Yeah. <laughs> now, here's wow. the thing to remember, and, and a lot of people I saw on the groups that we belong, I think you and I are on one of the same ones, they were all freaking out saying, well, maybe they'll get rid of Jeff Johns and Dan, you know, John, uh, Jim Lee and Dan DeDito, and they can actually start doing something with that company. And you don't understand, DC Comics, Marvel Comics, Image, all those guys, they do not have on-staff writers and artists anymore. They have it since the 70s. It's all done by freelance and contract work. So when they say they're laying off staff, it's not any of the creators. And, and in fact, um, the one thing that I was interested about on this when I read it is I'm going to read you this because when they said they were doing layoffs, Pam Lifford, I guess, who's president of their Warner Brothers Global Brands and Experience, she stated, DC is going back to its roots of delivering epic stories with our world-class characters, stories, and brands. Now, a lot of people are speculating that means that maybe we're going to get a pre-Flashpoint reboot. I kind of would like that. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I will admit I didn't like a lot of New 52. A lot of it failed for me. But Rebirth has been awesome. Oh, yeah. I will give them their props. They have done good with Rebirth. And as much as I would love to see the return of the pre-Flashpoint universe, I don't think I necessarily want it right now. Well, I don't think it would be a very good idea either if Rebirth is working well. I mean, don't don't reboot it. I mean, especially if it's Aquaman and Superman, because those two, Batman didn't change, right? Superman didn't change. Green Lantern got a shot in the arm, but Aquaman 
if you really want to look at out of all the DC heroes that really benefited from the new 52, it's definitely it Aquaman, was Aquaman. Yeah. Right. And right now with the I think it'd be crazy for them to change the tide, pardon the pun, so to speak. Because I see what you did there. Yeah, I saw what yeah. you did there. <laughs> Aquaman is riding a great wave right now. Oh, <laughs> oh, man, man. Keep going with it. Keep going with it. <laughs> You're making Madman's day. And, yeah. and and like, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And right. plus, I think Superman is at the very best that it's been since John Byrne did it. Right. And let's just hope Bendis doesn't screw that up too bad. Oh, badly. my God. I'm praying that he isn't because I love the fact what he's doing now. Everyone complains about how hard it is to write for Superman. Exactly. And the, this is the best position to be in. What what great story could you not come up with of Superman being a father, being a husband and a father? Right. Yeah. And you know what, Enos, while we're, while we're on that subject, one of the best Superman stories I've read in probably easily 20 years um, that, span, that spun out of New 52 was when DC moved their offices from New York to LA. They did right. this whole convergence thing, and everybody admits that convergence was basically just two months of filler. They didn't want to produce any new material, and I get it. But one of the greatest series that came out of that was a six-issue series, Superman, Lois, and Clark. Lois Clark, yes. That is a fantastic story. If you can get that in trade, I would go out and get them. You might even be able to get the original six issues because it was overlooked. And, oh, they slept on that big time. And the great thing about it is it takes, it is literally the pre-Flashpoint Superman that we grew up with, and he is plugged into the New 52 universe, and it works brilliantly the way it's written. I don't yeah. even remember who wrote that, but Superman, I know Lee Weeks did the artwork on it. Superman, Lois, and Clark. Um, Madman, I have all six issues. I'll just bring it in here and drop it on the table for you. It is, it is fantastic. Man, I, I, wish, I, we, I, wish, we were talk, I wish I knew we were talking about that because I had the trade paperback. I could have brought that in tonight. Well, we it, it came up again. You never know what's good, what you're going to end up talking about when you're talking about news events. But getting back to the DC restructuring, I found this interesting. Um, one of the former artists for DC, um, Ethan Van Skyver, says that the movie Justice League is partly responsible for this restructuring and the layoffs. Because what he is saying is Joss Whedon was brought in to you know fix the movie, do reshoots, and he wanted another $300 million to fix it, finish it, reshoot it. Oh, wow. Um, which means the movie ended up costing $700 million and was technically a financial, I won't say a failure because it made money worldwide, but it didn't make what it did had to domestically to consider it a hit. Right. It's um, considered to be the highest grossing flop of all time. Right. Which is I really don't get, but but so Ethan Van Skyver is saying blame Justice League for the layoffs because they thought a lot of capital was going to be raised, it was going to reboot the universe and the comic and the comic lines as well, and it didn't happen, and so now some people are paying the price. Which if you look at the layoffs at DC and Warner Brothers, they're executive levels, at least you know the ones that they've made public. So. It stands to reason that maybe those are the people like, hey, you went down this road. It didn't work. Someone's got to pay the price. Bye. And, and bye. So. Oh, by the way, um, Randy, it was Dan Jerkins who wrote Oh, that's why it's well, so that's probably why it's great. so good yes. right there. Yeah. Dan Jerkins was also responsible for part of the uh, death of Superman storyline. I think he's kind of underrated as a writer. Yes, Dan, a little bit. He is, yes. he is fantastic. So, you know what? Um, one of us will bring it in next week. You might find two copies of it on the table for you, Madman. 
Awesome. <laughs> I prefer the trade paperback. <laughs> yeah, so, and it's that cedar department. All uh, right. So another thing, too, and Thomas, you and I were just talking about this the other day. The DC Universe, the online service, has announced they're going to be adding more to the comic line for the book library. So they're adding more to it because Thomas and I were just saying they don't have enough on there. But in the, the grouping or the list, they're going to be including the Batman Hush storyline with Jim Lee, which was fantastic, um, Infinite Crisis, and one I was just talking about, Flashpoint. Mm-hmm. Now, here's what's funny. While everyone pretty much agrees that New 52 just did not do it, the story that led into it, Flashpoint, oh, it was, was fantastic. Yeah, I liked Flashpoint. So... If you haven't read it, DC Universe Online, they'll be dropping that soon. So get on out there. Pick those up. Uh, DC canceled two more titles today. Um, only surprising because one of them was Damage, part of their whole New Age of Heroes type of thing. So that now only leaves two titles left in that little initiative. But I noticed that Titans is getting cut as well. Oh. Um, which, un- unfortunately... Titans has never really hit the same mark ever since Perez and Wolfman series ended. It's had a couple of successful ones, but they seem to really always just be struggling with that one now. So, Also, oh, I don't know if anyone saw this. This was a surprise to me. The Birds of Prey teaser dropped the other day. And I actually linked it on our Facebook page for Lost in the Long Box. And I would suspect, um, seriously, that we're probably going to get the full trailer for the Super Bowl this weekend. But it's it's very quick. Don't don't try to make too much out of it unless you're going to sit there and pause every frame. But you do see all the members of the Birds of Prey that's going to be in it. So you see Harley Quinn. You see um, the Huntress's bow. I think you also get to see um, Cassandra Kane in it as well. But again, like I said, they're really quick shots of their faces. So. The one thing that was really interesting, and Anus is on our page, or you can go to YouTube and look at it. I want someone to watch the trailer because I would swear the costuming that I'm seeing, even though the figure's holding a bat, looks like Hot Girl, like Shaira or, or Kendra. So, mm-hmm. so that dropped. Um, the De- Detective 1000's coming out very soon, and of course, just like all the other milestones, they're, they're having multiple covers. Uh, but just like Action Comics 1000, they're doing all the eras, so there's going to be a 1930s version, and 1940s, and 1950s, and so forth. But there's also going to be several by special artists for certain retail markets. I, I personally, myself, when Batman 50 came out, picked up two of them that were not available in regular market. You, they were retailer exclusive, but they were beautiful covers. Um, so they're doing the same thing with Detective, and a couple of those are really nice. I will freely admit I'll probably buy a couple of them just because they're beautiful books, but again... Thomas, I know you can't stand a whole variant cover, but my thing is, if it's a book I'm already reading, I have no problem getting a variant. So here's my thought on on the uh, Detective 1000. I am all in for the Storenko 1960s cover. That looks amazing. Right. Yes. And um, I may, I am seriously considering my ban on variants to get the Art Gurm retro oh, cover. Oh, yes. That looks so fantastic. Yes. The, uh, well, he's doing two versions of it. He's doing the retro cover, and he's doing a modern cover of I, it as I, well. I, the both of them look great, but I want that retro one. That Dude, I got to go back and look. Incredible. Yes. Well, you know, it's funny that you said that because I also linked it on our Facebook page. Okay. Um, but, guys, if you go to www.comicverse.com, and I apologize ahead of time for this, listeners, .com slash blog slash detective dash comics dash 1000 dash complete dash cover dash checklist. Well, 
Deep wow. breath. <laughs> or you may want to just do a Google search for yeah. Detective yes, uh, actually, 1000 yes, alternate covers or something. It might Detective be faster. Detective 1000 covers and look for the comic first listing. What's really great about that one is not only do they show you all the alternate covers, but the retailer exclusives, when they go live and for sale, the link becomes live. And so you just click and you can go right to that company's website and order the variants. Yeah, I, 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 I'm thinking very seriously about trying to get that Art Gurham retro. Uh, you know, that one, that's, that's um, pretty amazing. It did is. I put that on, on the Batman yesterday, Today and Forever page, Tommy? Uh, you may have. You I'm may not have. sure. Yeah. By the way, Enos, make sure you go to our Facebook page and link your other two websites oh, on yeah. there. And oh, definitely. So we want to make sure our listeners have uh, all that content. And, and again, listeners, also... A lot of the news that we're getting um, is from our buddies at ComicsOnline.com, so go check them out. Let them know. Lost in the long box, sent you to look around, poke around, kick the tires, what have you. Um, so what's going on? Oh, Marvel. So I just picked up last week issues one and two of Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, and there was a special little five or six issues, uh, five or six page story in the back of it where we see Aunt May going to a cancer clinic, and supposedly coming up in... Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number five, we're going to possibly find out that Aunt May might have breast cancer. Hmm. So it looks like they're going to try and off yet another main character. Didn't they do that once before and bring her back? Yeah. With well, in the One More Day storyline or well, something like that? Now, hang on. That <laughs> She got shot and died, and then that's when he made his deal with Mephisto, says, I can bring your Aunt May back, but I want your love for Mary Jane. Blah, 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 blah. blah. So, no, wow, I'm glad I didn't read that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, dude, it it's was pretty panned. I've never yeah, read it either, but it's pretty, it's, wow. it's pretty panned. Yeah, it's yeah. Dan Slott, who spent the next decade on Spider-Man, actually said we could have told these stories with a married Spider-Man. Y- you know who broke up the marriage, right? Was um, boo, name just went right out of my head. Um, Joe Casada. Joe Casada did not like it. Said the marriage has got to go. Really? Hmm. And it didn't do. I mean, it wasn't affecting the book. Anywho. So we got Aunt May possibly getting breast cancer and dying. I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm just saying it's not a surprise. It's a cat's out the bag three months before you do it. Um, Marvel Team-Up is coming back in April for new number one with Spider-Man and Miss Marvel. For you older listeners, two of the great titles Marvel used to put out back in the day was Marvel Team-Up and Marvel 2-in-1. Those were fantastic books. And another great thing about those books that a lot of people don't realize is a story which you thought – had no consequences, it was just kind of like a throwaway story, sometimes had a major play later on in one of the other main books. So they were really good with that. So while I'm looking forward to Marvel Team-Up coming back, I'm also slightly disappointed because Marvel can't seem to keep a book going for more than 12 issues now. It's, they seem to love to reboot and renumber again. So same thing with Marvel uh, 2-in-1. They brought back Marvel 2-in-1. It was the thing and the torch. It was a great series. But it was really just to springboard bringing back Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Four. Once they came back, they dropped Marvel 2 on one Why? You, you just could have kept that book going. Yeah. Rob Liefeld, our friend Rob, is back. He has made Still isn't drawn feet. He has made a new X-Men coming out in a six-issue series called, now wait for it, Major X. That's Yes, that is the extent of his naming because he has a big reg X on his helmet. Oh, there you go. Then there you go. Maybe his new character, the pouch, will you know, uh, right, make right, a guest appearance in Major appearance. X. This guy's a man. <laughs> I just can't laugh because one guy talked about, man, that ain't no Major X. That's Boba Fett, man. <laughs> right, exactly. Might as well just have a backpack on his back. I swear. So another independent publisher, IDW, um, which you guys don't know, has been um, critically successful with all their Star Trek uh, 
uh, books. They were the guys who, after the first Star Trek movie that J.J. Abrams did where he reimagined the universe, they started doing, and this was actually a really fantastic idea. I wish I'd gone back and read them. I guess that means I have to go on a trade paperback hunt. They started doing all these series and the adventures from the original Star Trek, but telling them in that Abrams universe. Oh. So, yeah, so Enos' eyebrows went up. Oh, really? That sounds mm. interesting. So what's coming out soon from them is Star Trek Year 5. They're actually going to cover the untold fifth year of their adventure. So that looks like it might be pretty good. Wow. So we're talking about some, like, Troubles with Tribbles storylines in the new new universe, right. some Harry Mudd in the new my, universe. My understanding, they actually redid the Mirror Universe storyline, too, from the Abrams universe. So With evil Spock? Yes, tell he's evil like, like I said, my understanding yeah. is those those series was really good um, because they were retelling all those classic Star Trek stories from the Abrams universe. So wow! So new releases. What came out today? Well, IDW, the guys we were just talking about, who are really big with their Star Trek. I believe issue one of Star Trek Q Conflict came out today. So if you're a big Star Trek fan, I would say rush out, grab that because, like I said, IDW is doing some fantastic stuff with their Star Trek series and. That was probably uh, a big hit for them. Um, Age of X-Men Alpha, number one, came out today. Age of X-Men is yet another big X-Men crossover thing they're doing. And Marvel has been doing this thing for the last, maybe, God, five years now, where when they have a huge event, before they had the huge event, they had the huge lead-in issue to the big event. Go figure. So, (laughs) yes, that's why it's Age of X-Men Alpha, number one, came out today. Also... Journey into Unknown Worlds number one came out. Uh, I don't know if we covered this last week or maybe a couple weeks ago with Marvel's 80th uh, anniversary. Right. They're now revisiting some of their old classic yeah, titles. Yeah, we talked with about like, that last week. With we the talked about one. War of Hell last week. Right, War of Hell and Crypt of Shadows. Yeah. So now they have launched uh, Journey into Unknown Worlds number one. So I haven't picked that up. I should get that myself. But Which, by the way, I'm mistaken. Uh, when I said earlier, I thought they were reprinting some of the classic tales from those books. They are new adventures. Um, but they're told in the same, obviously, vein as those storylines from back then. So I have done all the talking about new releases and upcoming news and noteworthy. Did you guys read anything that you want to talk about before we get into our main subject? Um, I picked up some stuff last week, and I highly recommend this to anyone. Guys, don't sleep on Hawkman. The new Hawkman series with... Uh, Venditti and Brian Hitch doing the artwork. Mm-hmm. This is some good stuff. The last time Hawkman was this good was when John Ostrander and Jan Dersima did the artwork back in '93 when they gave when they tried to make it would give this mysterious edge to Katar Hall, in which everyone knew it was Katar, but it was great seeing him in a new costume and being you know more like the vigilante type, this Batman that actually flew. I uh, picked up Superman number seven. Guys, I'm here to tell you, Bendis is on a good roll right now. Let's pray he doesn't mess this up. But this, the art that he has with bringing back Jor-El and bringing and having John Kent, the new Superboy, age that he's about right. to make 15 Eight. years old, is a great storyline. Like I said, it's a great. It leads to a great story because we're getting to see Superman as not a husband but as a father as well. And I, I read that last week also, and I love the, the bit of the twist ending. I'm not going to tell the readers what it is, but it's not so much a twist ending, but as much as, oh, oh, it's finally happened. Yeah. Um, another one, since we're talking about stuff that you picked up that was really good, 
I picked this up last week because it is Brian Michael Bendis. And like I said, sometimes he's brilliant. Unfortunately, when he's off, he's really off. Mm-hmm. But he was really hitting his stride on, ironically, Naomi, Naomi. number one. That's, that was a really good book, and I was pleasantly surprised at the end of it, so I'm probably going to stick with it for another five or six issues. I couldn't find it, because when you mentioned it last week, I went to Gateway. It's out. Uh, and and it, was, it's, um, it was, he's out, so I'm going to have wow. to go, and he's going to have, he's, he was out because um, he's holding Shazam number one for me, so he's getting some this week, so okay. I'm going to check and see if he has Naomi. And I, and I did say last week that I think that might become a sleeper hit, that I think Bendis is going to unload something on us that we weren't expecting, oh yeah, and you see right in the very first issue, it's, what the hell, mm. oh, Mad Men, the lights went out, maybe you better pay the bill. I didn't see any lights. <laughs> what? I said the lights went out. Maybe you better pay the bills. Oh. Oh. Yeah, we are sponsored by Danny's Pizza and <laughs> Subs. Here at Lost in the Long Box, you go to dannyspizzaandsubs.com. Uh, or you can give them a call, 898-5008. They are located at the Lees Hill Center, 10657 Spotsylvania Avenue. Uh, they have a limited delivery area of about five miles from that address. Um, their hours are Monday through Thursday, 11 to 9 p.m., Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10 p.m., and Sunday, they're open from noon to 8. It's always buy one, get one free pizzas at Daddy's Pizza and Subs. You guys have fun making fun of me? Yeah. So, you know, uh, who's a comedian? It went right over my head. Jeff Dunham and his little puppy, Peanut, really? has that thing. You watch, you watch that guy? <laughs> <laughs> I Which, like I like funny comedians. Oh, he's funny. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, listeners, I was trying to lead Mad Men into doing our promotional and spot. I didn't pick so up when on I it made a all. comment about the lights went out, maybe he needs to pay the bill. He looked at me like I'd just run over his dog. Uh-huh. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I did not pick up on it. <laughs> all right. So uh, for tonight's topic, topic, I would like to first off thank our loyal listener Lori J, who's also a friend of mine from high school. Um, she actually, back last year when we first started doing Lost in Long Box, put in a request that we cover a book that she likes. Uh, she says, hey, can you go back and revisit this book and have a conversation about it? And that book is V for Vendetta by Alan Moore. So for those of you who may not know about V for Vendetta, really quickly here, it's basically set, it's a British comic book. It's actually originally a graphic novel. And yes, I am reading from the Wikipedia, Thomas, so shut up. <laughs> <laughs> It started as a British comic book, uh, like uh, in a daily strip or whatever, and then it was published into a black and white format serial from DC under, well, it was under UK Anthology Warrior before DC then picked it up. So the story is basically um, in the, well, it would have been the future London then. Future London, yeah. But it was 1997, so got to remember the book came out in the mid-80s, which, is my, mid-80s, yeah. which is my first problem with it. But... The whole premise is apparently there has been some type of uh, cataclysm, a great nuclear war. Yes, I said it wrong on purpose. <laughs> um, and I guess London is like only the world power left after it. Um, but the government that has risen from the war is basically a tyranny. And you now suddenly have this gentleman who goes by the name of V um, wearing a Guy Fox mask. If you don't know who Guy Fox is, Google it. He's a guy who tried to blow up Parliament back in the day. Yeah, he's another terrorist. Right, another terrorist. Um, but he's trying to encourage the populace to overthrow the government, but he's doing it through terrorist means. So, and the book opens with uh, we meet this girl named Evie. Is that her name, Evie? Evie. Yeah. Um, and Evie she's Hammer. not making enough 
working on some line job. I'm getting the impression she works like a munitions plant. So she goes out and tries to prostitute herself. And she's only maybe 15 or 16. And the first people she tries to sell her wares to are undercover policemen. And as they're about to go ahead and kill her because they're like, well, you know, hey, you, you're out here prostituting. But first they're going to have their way with her because, you know, hey. She's selling it anyway, and I'm a government official. I'll just take it. Right. Um, and then V shows up and kills him, and it starts mushrooming from there. Um, so I did notice one thing, and I apologize to you, Trump supporters. No, I don't. Um, I think Trump's campaign stole something out of this book or have read this book because I swear to God, in the very first issue, I saw the phrase, make Britain great again. Oh. I remember I had, seeing that, too. I had to now, stop. I you mention that. I, I remember and seeing I that, went, too. Really? And I went back and reread it? And the first thing, I almost called you, like 11 o'clock at night, man, no, man. You shouldn't have. Going, I would swear that someone on Trump's, on Trump's campaign read this they book. They the first time. They had to have. Of course there's somebody on that campaign that read this, this book. A lot of people have read this nihilistic piece of garbage. <laughs> and with ah, that, ah, ah. but yes, so I will freely admit, I'm sorry, Lori. I had a really hard time reading this book. I couldn't get through it. Um, I guess my one of my main problems with it is it's supposed to be set in the future. Okay, fine. It's set in the future. But why are you going to write a book in the mid-80s and only put it 12 years in the future, knowing damn well that everyone who's reading it is going to live to see the year you've chronicled? Why is it not like 2065 or something like see, that? See, I didn't necessarily have a problem with that. I mean, he wrote it in the 80s. You know, it was, you know. Well, I mean, even days of future war. past, they're talking about a time that's, you know... That, that's, you know, past yeah, now. Exactly. But, so. yeah, you know, it was written, in, like you said, it was written in the 80s. You know, it, it's 12 years in the future after everything settled down after the nuclear war. I mean, you know, it, it's more it, about wanting it, to tell a story than looking at the It kind of makes sense that you don't set it too far after the nuclear war because you want to you want to tell the story about what happens with the survivors after everything starts to come back together. So I, I didn't necessarily disagree with that. I mean... I was amused by it. I was like, you know, I'm reading about the dystopian future that actually takes place in the past, but you know, whatever. But that was kind of <laughs> kind like of you'd ever read a comic book before. But you know, it it, it happens. I mean, I, I read I can read Days of Futures Past. Now that took place in what 2002 or something yeah, like right, that. I mean, yeah. right, right. Well, so, okay. Of course, he, it was you know written he, in the 60s, but still. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's here's the difference. Days of Future Past holds up as a tale of the future because a it's already set in an unbelievable world, okay? Right. B, we're more willing to accept it as an alternate world than the one that we live in, okay? Even Marvel, DC, Image, all the other companies out there have at one point or time told a story that says, look, we know that people can't fly and bullets don't bounce off their chest no matter how much we want it. So somewhere down the line, we're going to imply, hint, or just straight up tell you, this is a different universe than the one you live in. So that's why Days of Future Past holds up. This is supposed to be a realistic chronicle. It's supposed to imagine it as our world that has fallen to crumbles. And yet you're only 12 years out. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. But still, you know, I, to me, I think it, it, I, I still think that was the right time period to say. Well, well, here's the thing. When you read this, you have to read it knowing that Alan Moore was not happy with the state. No. Of the it U was a big, long protest. Right. And what he's not writing is, he's not writing a future tale. He's writing what I plan to do to this stinking government in 10 years. Exactly. <laughs> See, I, I, I read this, and I, and I will say that I did, I did like it. I mean, it, I do think I read it too quickly, though, because I read it over the course of two days to you know, make sure to get, it back to get it back to you and everything before tonight. And I think that was probably a way too fast for this. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, you know, as I was reading it, I was like, well, 
I don't know. Maybe it was just me. It was like, I think he's trying to tell me something, but I'm not quite sure what he's trying to tell me. He's trying to tell you he's a fascist. Yeah, I mean, he's a nihilist and the British government is a fascist. I kind of got that, but I was like, well, I'm not quite sure what he's trying to tell me. But And I see, I have to apologize because I borrowed it from Mad Men probably a month ago. And I never got around to read it. Never got around to read it. And I and I blame life. I blame the the pile of comics I was getting from Gateway. I blame all the TV shows I had stored in my DVR. I blame the fact that because of the stupid Elseworlds crossover, I dug out Smallville season one and started watching again. I blame the fact that I just Quit got... Quit making excuses for not doing your job. I, I blame <laughs> that I got all three seasons of Wonder Woman on DVD, which, by the way, Linda Carter, I forgot just how, how gorgeous hot she was. Yes, man. But season one is atrocious. I mean, it is just horrible. Yeah, I don't want to revisit well, that. The, the, the theme, theme song in general is dun, atrocious. Dun, 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 Fighting dun, dun, for your rights, wearing satin tights. Yeah. I mean, that, but, that's a line there. That's satin, a really line. Come yeah. on, get it right. In your satin tights, oh, fighting well, okay. for your rights. Let's not sing. Get it right. But but here's the thing, and I will freely admit, I pick it up and I start reading, and I'd get maybe four or five blocks, maybe a page and a half, and and then. Effort, and I'd set it down. Yeah, yeah. I could not stay in growth. You feel like you're reading ISIS propaganda. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's how to train a terrorist is what it is. What he does to Evie is how to train a terrorist. Right. Well, that's what I don't like about this book. I mean, at least Watchmen, you had superheroes doing superhero type stuff. Right. And this one is just as big, long as like these freaking fascist governments with their, you know, uh, with their ever invasive government tendrils in our lives and so forth. It's like I get it. You hate the government. Well, I don't, I, know, I don't need. I don't think you need a book that long to do it. And I, and I had a problem with Evie going to V saying w- that she has to help him, right? That that's part of the deal for having saved my life and and bringing me here where I'm safe. Is I now have to make some type of deal to help you. And he tells her, "Well, that's not why I brought you here at all, Evie. Why do you want to make a deal?" And then she decides that, "Well, yes, I'm going to go ahead and help you." And then she helps him by seducing the bishop. So that and yeah. opening the window so V can come in and kill him. And then later on, she's like, well, I didn't know you was going to kill him. What do you think was going to happen? Well, how did you, yeah, it's one the, the, I, I agree with that. How did you not know he was going to kill him when he's already killed people kill in people front of you? people in front of you. Right. right. I mean, he is standing in front no of you with wearing that. that damn mask. Yeah. And from my understanding, from reading the book, he never took that mask off in front of her. Yeah, no. He no, he didn't. severely burned. Yeah. He didn't. Oh, is that what, what, what the deal was with him? I, I, I didn't know. Yeah. So. See, I actually read it. Well, I mean, I, I did I didn't, my homework. I, read it. I, didn't, I didn't catch that part. I must, have, like I said, I read it over the course of two that days. Whole, so I read it. That whole quick. story about the fire. Yeah, I knew the, the part yeah. about the fire, but I mean, I didn't. I it didn't pick up on it that well, he was burned in it. So okay, that makes a lot. Well, more now sense. see, here's here's where I have to go, <laughs> bad Thomas, because I will freely admit I didn't finish it, but I also got that something bad happened to him in the concentration camp, particularly in his room cell number five where they yeah. kept well, yeah, him. Yeah, I got that. I mean, I knew something obviously was you know. A foul was afoot, but I didn't, you know, necessarily catch that. Especially, you know, when the part when he when he breaks in to kill the one woman, and she asks him to take off the mask, he does, and she talks about how beautiful it is. So that I guess that kind of it, 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 it leads to how disturbed she was. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, okay, because she looked at that as a piece of art. You know, something that happened to him. You know, piece uh, like Nicholson's Joker. Yeah, exactly. Now, like there you me, go. she's okay. a living work of art. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I definitely read this probably too quick. I mean, so, you know, I, I got I got a lot out of it, but maybe it's maybe hard it's to something stomach. there. Well, you know what? Poor Enos is over here like, I don't know if I want to talk about this book. Uh, they're all going on tyrants. Sir, speak up over there. Oh, oh no. Well, one um, I got from the book, and I saw a lot of when I actually sat down. I stumbled on the movie by accident. And I like Hugo Weaving. I love the me some Hugo Weaving. Yes, freaking awesome. 
And I have to say, I wasn't too crazy about the book, but when I stumbled on the movie, I didn't stop till I finished watching it. Right. Yeah, and the movie's you, way better. And Exactly. And um, it's like... And I agree with Madman. The whole doggone thing was, okay, this is how you become a terrorist. But Hugo Weaving in that movie is so convincing. Yeah. Because he makes you feel like um, like Magneto. You know Magneto is an evil bastard, but yet he makes some good points right. as to why he does what he does. Hugo Weaving took a page right out of Magneto's book and brought that to Vita Vin- V for Vendetta because he Nat, he could have Natalie Portman eating and my guys she's hot uh, um, eating right out of his hand but the way he did it he was grooming her the way Bruce Wayne did Carrie Kelly in The Dark Knight Returns right exactly and then that was the vibe I got from it but you didn't hate Hugo. You didn't hate V in this movie like you did in the comic. Well, and, and you know, it's funny you said it because it, it brings up a, an interesting point of view for me. It's almost, the book is, is no doubt, he's just a, a, an eyeless bastard. It's like, I'm going to change the, the, um, our government. Oh, but by the way, I'm going to have to kill several people to do it. Yeah. Um, whereas in the movie, it almost feels like it's a redemption story for V. Right. Well, that's why I think the movie is better than the book in terms of way to absorb the story is because you get to see how charming V is, you know, and I think that is important to the story. It comes off a little in the book just by the way he talks and right. so forth, yes. what he says, but it, it comes off very well in the movie about how charming he can be and so forth. And I think that's an important part of his character, no matter how much I dislike the story. And I think that's important to that they showed that, and I think that the film was a better medium for that story. Well, and you know, it, it looks like it, he's trying to redeem himself and everything in, in the book too, with him kill, going in and killing all his captors and his torturers right, right, and stuff like right. that. It looks like you know, you know, definitely the revenge plot there. Right. And it definitely was because you didn't get in the movie what you got in the book. He just killed people for the sheer hell of it in the in the book. Yeah. But right. in the movie, you he, these were people who lack of a better term, deserved it. Yeah, had it coming. They had right. it coming. Well, I kind of felt like the people he killed in the uh, in, in the book definitely had it coming. Right. Well, see, I mean, well, here's the problem, though. Not the, that I'm saying anybody well, should go out and murder anyone. That is not my opinion here. Okay? And, right. and, not, and, I want, and I want to take it back. Not a problem, <laughs> but part of the difficulty in reading this is when he first starts killing these people, you don't know why he's killing him. You don't know no, that, don't. They, that they tortured him and, and, get and, through the whole book and, and others him. that this is why he's killing him. You think it's just, okay, well, this government's corrupt. It's a classic case of all the money goes to them and you're crushing the poor under your boot. You don't understand that it's more than a um, overcrowing the government. There's a revenge factor here. These, oh, yeah. these men tormented him and hundreds of others. Right. You and know, it's, it's every bit of Nazi concentration camp. Oh, yeah. But it takes they... you so long to get there. Uh-huh. That by the time you do, you're, it's almost like, well, why didn't you start with that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, because you know, it, it's that, like you definitely said the resettlement camps. I guess that's what they call. There was definitely right. a right. concentration camp. I yeah. mean, you know, anybody that was you know not white and agreed with the government went there. You know, if right. you were if you were gay, if you were black, if you were Asian, I mean, you went to the resettlement camps. You know, right. and you were experiment on. I mean, it was definitely a concentration camp. Right. And when it comes to the mask, I think that it's good to, that you don't know why V was in that camp. You don't you don't know what his ethnicity is, 
Yeah, I you don't know. I think it's very important. Right. Yeah, for it, that it's, character. it's definitely yo, it you, you don't you don't know why he's there. You yeah. have no idea. I mean, he he could be Asian, he, he could, could be yeah. black, he could be gay, he could just be, you know, anti-government. You have no, no idea. idea. So, no idea. I did bring it back, Madden, but I think I want to at least try and finish reading it because it, it sounds That's like fine. I'm never going to read it. It, it sounds like it does get to a point where it, it kind of redeems the story. Um, so, and I plus I want to I, I want to see how it pans out, but I tell you, and you're going to love this. The whole time I'm reading this and, and trying to get through the first chapter of it, it was to the point where I was getting just bored enough that I thought, there better be some nudity in this or this is going to be a waste of time. <laughs> uh, sorry, buddy. The uh, My problem with uh, Alan Moore is the fact that um, because his, his ideology, he's clearly a nihilist. And, um, and it comes through in all of his characters that he writes. And uh, even in the Watchmen, it's like there's not a single person in there that believed in anything, in anything, you know. And um, uh, when it comes to uh, V for Vendetta, it's it's just all of that in your face the whole time. And that really, really irks me. And I just, you know, I don't like that kind of thing. And that's the only thing. I'm not saying it's not a good story. It is an entertaining story. Um, but let's be honest. It's like this guy has no belief in anything. Right. You know, you know, and the thing with it, you were talking about it, he could be anybody, and you know, until I heard some of the other characters referred to him as he, I wasn't even a hundred percent, you know, convinced right. it was a he. I mean, I right. thought you know there, that this very a, well could have been a woman. There were a couple of moments when I was reading where I said, "This could know. be a woman." You could just don't know. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't. You know, until some of the other characters referred to him as he, I wasn't. I wasn't completely convinced it was a he. Yeah, because even in the books, there were some effeminate. Uh, yeah. mannerisms. Yeah, that he had. So, and I mean, I, I, I mean, that's a that's a good part because you know, V could have been. You know, yeah. anybody. Anybody. I think that's good and it's important to the character. I'm not mm-hmm. saying Alan Moore isn't, I mean, talented. I mean, I really enjoy Watchmen. I enjoyed reading V for Vendetta the first time, but I thought the movie was way better. And, um, but, uh, you know, it's just, that's the only thing is like it comes through in your writing. I think it, it uh, limits the number of character, the kind of characters you can create, you know, if you are unable to write a character that believes in something, you know. Yeah, I, th- I think I like some of his other works better than this. You know, like you said, Watchmen. Um, his Superman story for the man who has everything was really good. Which, and, it's, and, <laughs> and it's such a 180 from what he's written before mm-hmm. because it's not dark and depressing. You, d- you don't want to, like, go throw yourself off the bridge when you're done reading it. <laughs> right. And, and um, it's probably one of, it's one of his best, best stories because I really enjoyed that. And it was like – it was definitely a character study on – Basically, you have the, the, the DC Trinity, and they're gathered together for an important day in the life of one of them. And you, he gets the opportunity to experience what he what it would life would be like if he Krypton hadn't blown up, mm-hmm. if he hadn't come to Earth. And the same thing when Batman got when that when that whatever oh, the heck it was the black is, mercy the, the black mercy and that is yes. such a moment you just don't want to keep reading when they get it off of Superman and it ends up on Bruce you almost just want to close like I can't read this because I just know you know what's going to you go. know what's going to happen <laughs> yeah so but yeah I mean I I mean I've I've liked some of his other works I mean like I said I I like this I mean I I, I you know I was entertained by it but you know I, I I did read it very fast and there was a part of me that's like well he's really really trying to come across with something uh, yeah but it's I'm almost hundred percent sure what it is and madman hits it I think this story would have I think this would have been a much better read for me if I had read them in the original comic book form when it came out in the store 
and I didn't have this forward by him right. at the beginning where he straight up tells you that he was unhappy with the state of the UK government and where it was going and I wasn't going to want to live here. And, and you're thinking, you're a freaking white middle-aged man. What are you bitching about? Right. <laughs> you know, and that might be one of the reasons why I enjoyed it more than what you did is because I didn't read that. Yeah, I didn't read that. I, I don't I ever. Just, I picked up all yeah, that from the story. I, I made yeah, a mistake of reading it. I don't and, typically ever read forwards in yeah. anything at all. You know, it's just not something I'm there for. I, I just I want to read the story. You know, but but yeah, I mean, it it I if I had never read this, it wouldn't be like the worst thing that ever happened to me. But I mean, it it was a I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I mean, it it was definitely very violent. And oh, uh, plus there's you know, a, a couple of logic points that I really find to be unbelievable uh in watchman and uh v for vendetta and v for vendetta uh the the big head guy at the end he foils him by making him think his computer's in love with him <laughs> oh uh the voice of fate or yes fate. and well it is that is the most ridiculous concept i have ever ever but, seen in a but comic remember book in the beginning in the beginning of it the guy talks about he has no life. He has no love. He has no friends. He works. He he worships her, which is fate, the computer. Right. So I, I can see where, because a guy has already done the classic, misplay or misplaced his emotions on an inanimate object because he can't relate with real people. So he has to love the one thing that he knows can't ever love him back then, so that he's not ever going to get disappointed. So I can see where he took that and used it against him. But it's yeah, such it's such a dumb, dumb concept. I, that I, sounds like, and her. I concur. That sounds like the movie Her with Joaquin Phoenix. I've he, seen that. I don't I remember. That I, I, I remember it being advertised, but it, I've never seen it's it. It's a movie, kind of like uh, what Mad Man's talking about. It's this guy who, like, literally has no life—a virtual weirdo who falls, who walks around with this box or whatever it is, and it has a female. It's Scarlett Johansson's I voice. I remember. And he falls in love with that voice. I, I do remember that, but I didn't actually watch the movie because I saw that and said, oh, "That's just." Oh, I didn't just, watch it. I saw. Is, I got enough from the commercial. I said, uh, "Okay, this dude crazy." But you know what? <laughs> Hello there, Lost in a Long Box listeners. We're going to digress really hard right now, since we're going to go back to the guy falling in love with the the woman in the in the box and what have you. And the and Madden mentioned the guy falling in love with the computer. If you want to see a movie along that same type of lines, go out and rent. Lars and the Real Girl. Oh, that was great. You've seen I've heard, it. I've yes, heard that was great. That is a fantastic That's movie. That's a fantastic movie. And what's really great about it is, um, and, and I know some of the listeners are out there going to be like kind of snickering. So the whole premise is this guy, Lars, um, buys one of those sex dolls. And we're talking, I'm talking the elaborate $6,000 yeah, model. Yeah, $6,000 ones. The, the, the real doll type of thing. Yeah, I'm trying to raise six grand myself. <laughs> go to my Patreon page. Go to patreon.com to shockmonkeyradio and wow. become a patron. Dude, I am, I am straight up going to contribute to your Patreon to get your oh real doll. Man, oh man. Wow. Anyway, you're saying this movie was good, huh? I'm just totally freaking derailed now. But he, um, he gets he goes out so and he gets anyway. this doll, and she's for companionship. It's not for you know. Right. He doesn't, he doesn't get it for, it's, it's for companionships. He, he 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 you know builds a relationship with you know with this doll, and the entire town you know buys into buys it. into so it. They start playing along. Well, yeah, they start well, playing along. Here's what happens because he lives in the the um, upstairs apartment of the garage at his brother and sister-in-law. So when she first shows up, 
um, they're like, oh, this is not right. So they take him to the doctor. Now, this is a little small podunk town, okay, like out in Wisconsin or something. Right. Population like 4,000 type of thing. Right. So they take him to the doctor who's a general practitioner, but she minored in psychology. So she has this whole interview with Lars, and then she's sitting in her office, and she tells um, the brother and the sister-in-law and says, there's nothing wrong with Lars. She goes, he's trying to work something out that he can't verbalize to us through normal means. She goes, this is his way of dealing with it. He's got a crisis that he, he won't face yet. And he goes, my suggestion is accept her and play along. And the brother says, I can't do that. She's not real. And the doctor goes, I see her sitting right out there in the lobby. And he turned around as a doll. And, and the doctor says, you need to deal with this. And she goes, he will, he will speak when his time comes and when he's ready. But for now, this is how he's getting around a difficult situation in his life. So, again, the whole town buys into it. And so there's a great bit where um, one of the girls from town comes to take – I can't even remember her name now – picks her up to get in a car. She's going to go out for the night with the girls. And uh, Really? Yes. That's great. And Lawrence gets her. jealous. And he's like, well, where are you going? And she's like – we don't even know. This is the girls' night out. And the woman actually speaks to the doll. It's like, says, tell him. He, says, says, he can't leave you alone for just a minute, can he? And she goes, Lars will be fine. And they get in the car and you leave. It's, a, it's called Lars and a Real Girl. Trust me, you will it's love it. It's a fantastic it. movie. I might watch it tonight. Yeah, it's a fantastic movie. You should see it. But we digress there, so let's go back to V. Well, well because it, would, it picked the same scenario of yeah. falling off the computer. It was right. an inanimate object. And Lars had feelings for this, you know, for yeah, the thing. Similar but, thing. But, I mean, I don't. Uh, that's that's a pretty important part of your plan to hinge upon one person's very a very specific mental illness, you know. So I mean, it's uh, well, well, and that's not the only part that happened. And remember the 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 part where he you know destroyed the dolls and caused the guy to have like the psychotic break too. Right, you know, that's kind of mama. All the dolls yeah, that said mama. Uh, yeah, all the dolls that said mama, and that's all he could say after he have, after he destroyed all the dolls. I mean, that's another thing. That's pretty specific there. You were really yeah. banking on that there. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe if that didn't happen, you could have just killed him. But, yeah, I guess. You know, but. Well, there's also the scene where he goes to the statue of, of Lady Justice. Right. And he's basically calling her a tramp and a whore because yeah. she's cheated on him and sold out, you know, yeah, on because him. Because things aren't going his way. I right. Get it. And then he blows it up, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. 1812 Overture, which is an interesting choice. So so you could say that he kind of has the same affliction. He has placed his emotions in an inanimate object. I name insects. <laughs> what? Yeah, I guess you didn't hear my oh, show. Oh, yes, yes. The, cr- my show the cave cricket that you named yeah. and you stepped on him. <laughs> yeah. I, I this is just disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, also, there was another thing about Alan Moore's uh, in uh, Watchmen. Where at Ozymandias, he came home, and uh, this is how he thinks smart people do things. Uh, so Ozymandias comes home, and he turns on like 50 different televisions. It has like random channel changes every couple minutes. So he watches TV and chooses his stocks based upon what he sees on TV. That is the dumbest smart person I've ever heard of. That's like... Uh, That's ridiculous. It's like if, you, Mc... if you buy your stocks like that, I don't care how smart you are. You're an idiot. It's like Marty McFly Jr. in Back to the Future 3, who's watching like 20 channels at one time. Yeah, that's, that's too distracting. Yeah, too distracting. <laughs> but what you said about if you buy your stocks that way, I'm going to have to go find the commercial for the trader company whose name I can't remember, which is actually the sign of a bad commercial. If you can remember the commercial but not the product you're advertising, you, you have failed. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's the opposite of advertising. But it's one of this guy watching TV, 
And it says uh, this summer everything is getting blowed up, and that's the actual name of the movie, blowed up. Yeah. And so you're seeing this guy watching this ad for this really horrible movie, but George Sakai is listed as shown as playing the madman in it. Well, midway through the commercial, it comes back, and you see the guy in his living room watching this commercial, which just this disgusted look on his face, like, oh God. And he's pulling up the stock of that movie company, and he's selling it. Uh, <laughs> oh, golly. But again, like I said, if you can't remember the, the name of the company for the commercials for, you failed. Yeah. You said in this com- in this movie that was been, that was brought up in this commercial, George Takai was playing. He's playing the bad guy in the made-up movie. What blowed is he going to do? Oh, my. Everybody yeah, right. did that. I, yeah, he, could, I, he could fence. That's a bad, gonna, yeah, bad cast. I'm going to find the commercial because he may actually say, oh, my, in it. It's, <laughs> it's George Takai. Of course he does. Bet he tickles me when he says it. I know. It tickles everyone. He everyone can fence people it. shirtless, too. Oh, oh, I mean, yeah. there's that. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he, whenever he makes a kind of appearance, people always request to get an oh, my, and, and of course, he obliges. Oh, of course, he obliges. <laughs> yes, no doubt. <laughs> All right. So, Laurie, we have covered V for Vendetta. Um, I'm sorry, dear, but you, yeah, I'm sorry you like it. Three fourths of the room don't <laughs> like it. You know, you didn't actually go on record. Do you like it or not? Book hell no. <laughs> movie, movie. I enjoyed it. I, I it, 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 it was more entertaining. Uh, I'm with Madman. Yeah. The movie was far more entertaining oh, than I, the book I, was. I'm, I'm totally in Madman's boat. I love the movie. I thought the movie was great. And I'm the only one here that has not seen the movie. The so. movie is movie was much better than yes. the book. One of the few, few occasions where I will say the movie was better than the book. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to watch the movie And that's books or, or actual literal, right. literature books. I, I always have a problem watching the, uh, the movie afterwards because then I always break it down and take it apart and like they did this wrong they did this right. wrong and they did this wrong yeah, I don't know but I mean you won't do that's that one of those movies one. yeah that's one of those movies where you won't do that and ironically two of my favorite movies in the world when I went back and read the book on them I was like ugh and there are cases where I think the movie far surpassed the book and that was Logan's Run and Planet of the Apes yeah, yeah. see I never read the books on those but I saw I the movies the movies were great <laughs> and the movies were great Planet, the first Planet of the Apes is one of my all-time favorites. It's a classic. Yeah. Same yeah. with Logan's Run. Oh, yeah, and, Logan's Run was great, too. And, and, I own Logan's Run on Blu-ray. It's and fantastic. because I loved those movies so much, I went back and read the books and just went, well, there's an hour and a half I'm never getting back. Yep. And uh, to digress again, did you know that there was a short-lived Logan's Run TV series? Yes, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I did not know that. Apparently, oh, it was yeah. awful. I'm old enough to it, watch it when it came out. Yep, it, it lasted one season. <laughs> half a season. Half a season. <laughs> and it introduced us to Gregory Harrison, who went on to play Gonzo Gates on right. Trapper John, M.D. Okay. Well, here was the problem with the TV series. You remember how the movie ended, right? Mm-hmm. Computer goes gets blown to hell. Everybody gets yep. free. Blah, there blah, is blah, no yeah. sanctuary. The, the TV series... Reestablishes that the cathedral's back, the computer's back, all the people are back in the city, and now Logan and Francis and Jessica are all on a run. Mm-hmm. And they now have no way, I'm sorry. Jessica and Logan are still on a the run. They have a robot friend now. Yeah, and um, I think Francis is box. still hunting them. Bo- no, Box, no, uh uh-uh. uh. Box, box? box is the guy who tried oh, they, to kill him right, in the kill, cave. Got, they killed him, that's right. I yeah. think his name's Roscoe. Don't quote me on that. I think, it's, I th- I think his name was Rom. Wrong. Might have been. Uh, because he passed away a couple of months ago. But they're actually on the run. I think Francis is now still hunting them. Their uniforms are no longer torn and tattered. And they find that there's actually still civilizations out there in the world past the, the dome cities. And it's just like. That's good. Train, train wreck <laughs> right from the get go. 
<laughs> yeah, speaking of the Planet of the Apes, um, a few years back, you know, of course, we know there was the Planet of the Apes TV series. Right. Uh, m- my mother-in-law was asking my wife what I wanted for my birthday. I said, ooh, ooh, Amazon's having a sale on the Planet of the Apes TV series. My wife just conveniently forgot to tell her that. And I'm like, well, why would you do that? I wanted that. She goes... Because I'll have to watch it with you. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife is the same way. She will not watch Planet of the Apes with me. She hates that movie. But I was like, the original is one of the best movies ever made. Four-star you know, movie. And right. you know what? Um, a while back, um, AMC, on one of those lazy weekends when I had nothing to do, um, was doing a Planet of the Apes marathon. And I sat down and I watched them in order. Planet of the Apes, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, Escape, Conquest. If you actually watch, and I can't believe I'm actually saying this, if you watch all of those movies in order um, and uh, are just uninterrupted, it actually tells a very nice, concise story all the way through. Yep, because you're not the only one that sat down and watched all those movies that weekend. And then you realize, damn, this was actually a really good story. It has an actual concise start in it because the very last movie ends with, you know, the world blowing up again and and now reestablished that apes and humans are living in peace Mm -hmm. and it's... It's actually a very nice story, but it you was. do have to watch them in order because if you catch any one of them out of order, oh yeah, they're bad. You're like, oh, these are crap. Oh yeah, no <laughs> doubt, no doubt. Yeah, if you watch them, what is it? Um, what's the one that beneath the Planet of the Apes is the one that had the the, the all the telepaths and everything, right? That, the the worshiping the bomb, right? That was not good. And and the common denominator in all of those movies was Roddy McDowell was in every last yes. one of them, and <laughs> not only that, but he was a central figure mm-hmm. in, in every one. last one of them. Yep, because he plays Cornelius in the first two. He actually plays their son right. in yeah. Conquest, because he's um, oh, now I can't remember Caesar. Caesar, because he's the first ape that speaks up and says no. So, right. so anyway, we are digressing. Um, we're going to probably cut a little short today um, because. Quite honestly, we didn't have that much to say about Beat for Vendetta. We were hard-pressed. Oh, I had plenty to say. We had <laughs> <laughs> It's all bad. So we were hard-pressed to actually talk about it because I actually messaged the guys the other day about, um, I hope you guys have a lot of material because I just really couldn't get through this book. <laughs> and, and again, Mad Men came back with, oh, I can say a lot about it. <laughs> it's all going to be bad. So I think I actually like this idea of revisiting a classic story. Absolutely. So I think next month... Uh, we're going to go back to the Spider-Man clone saga. And I don't mean just the original one where they CF'd it and did the whole twist. I'm talking about all the way back to Peter Parker Spider-Man when we first meet the clone and he falls down a smokestack and all that good stuff. Right. So from beginning to end. So I was Warren days. I will put that on our calendar and ship that out to everybody. Um, but anyway... Uh, do want to remind our listeners, you can find us on Gmail, lostinalongbox at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter, lostinalongb1. Uh, we also are on Facebook, just lostinalongbox on Facebook. Enos, I know you have a couple of uh, Facebook pages for some of your comic stuff. Plug them. Yes, um, I have the realm of superheroes, comics, and pop culture, and uh, Batman, Yesterday, Today, and Forever. Um, I'll be linking those with um, Lost in the Long Box. These are two um, pages that I run. And Tommy, I believe I have you as an admin on both of them or, oh, okay. or as an admin on one or both of them. I'll make sure you guys will be added as admins because um, build up, you know, try to build that network up. And guys, just come visit me again. The realm of comics, a correction, the realm of superheroes, comics, and pop culture, and Batman yesterday, today, and forever. 
Awesome. We want to hear you guys' comments and you know, critiques. You know, hey, don't be strangers. Talk to us. Madman also has another show here on FXBG Public Radio. Um, Madman at 6 p.m. on Tuesday nights. Listen live on Mixer, but it's also out there on iTunes and Shock Google. Monkey Radio. Go Shock. to Patreon. I'm there trying to save up that six cheese. That's right, because we got to get we got to get him a real doll. <laughs> so until next time, we're gonna be down here wondering, Thomas. Yes, Randall. Why are there 20 copies of Dark Hawk 1 in this box? Because they are not lost in the long box. They're about to be. Oh, hell no. <laughs> Dark Hawk rules. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. <laughs>